Hi, I'm Trinity Wheeler. And I'm Alan Shaw. And this is Rhapsody Radio. Welcome back. Hey! Hey, Mr. We are, Shaw. How's it going? I'm really excited about today. Me too. I actually was very excited when we came up with the idea of this, this episode today. Yeah, so we have two parts for you. We have Team Rhapsody in the house. Woohoo! Hey, everybody. Woohoo! Um, two parts today. So half of the, half of the team is here this episode, and on the next episode, part two, mm-hmm. the other half will be here. But today, we are joined mm. by Carrie Kirsch Ooh. and Gina DiGiacomo. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and Elizabeth Hall. Hello. 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 How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Really, really great. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm doing Carrie. well. Yeah. Great. So today we're going to talk a lot about coaching. Um, and, and sort of what we do as a team to prep for classes, what our class plan looks like, and then what, what a journey through a class looks like. But to kick it off, let's get a little bit of, of background about how you came into Rhapsody and found Rhapsody. We'll start with Elizabeth because I think you were, you were one of the first here. Yeah. So um, how'd you find Rhapsody? And, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I was uh, at the time coming from another gym and took a whole year just to work on personal training and decided it wasn't enough and that I missed the CrossFit community and the classes and being able to help more than one person at a time. So I think that was right around when you opened. Yeah. It was and like then, 2018 summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then joined as a member and then quickly realized you could benefit from probably another coach and some mm-hmm. assistance and uh, just went from there, asked if I could join the team and yeah, you know, the rest is is that. The rest is history. So, but you had coached for a while. So, what what is your coach? You went to Wolford, right? Wofford. 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 Yeah, Wofford. Okay. Wofford. Common mispronunciation. Common mispronunciation. <laughs> um, so, what what did you do in school? Uh, fun story. Uh, I was a bio major for three years, ah. and then, much to my mother's, um, you know, surprise, um, graduated with an art history degree. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I think I knew that actually. Yeah, went went and played soccer there. Uh, mm-hmm. Enjoyed that, but surprised everyone with a little major change at the end. So, how did you how did you find training and fitness? When did that when did that come into the picture? Yeah, I've played soccer my whole life, so always been trying to improve in any way I could off the field. So, had some trainers and coaches through high school, trying to get better in that regard. And then always played on teams. And then right around when I started switching my major, I started training some of the kitchen staff at Wofford that was was just interested in training and had no idea what they were doing. Um, And then quickly turned into training my professors. And they started to pay me to train them. And then teammates and some uh, extra workouts. And then just went from there. And on the education front, did you do like, the NASM in the beginning, or where did you start mm-hmm. with? Yeah, I started with NASM, and then probably two years after graduation, got into the CrossFit world and started with Where'd that. Where'd you do your L1? My L1 in Charlotte. Yeah. You remember who did it? I know, I think it was like Leah Pulaski. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. Sarah Wilkinson. Yeah. And that's all I remember. It's <laughs> 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 a while ago. Yeah. What I think, Elizabeth, what I think is so impressive about you and in, in what you do is, is just your, your, edu- your commitment to education and, and continuing education. So you got your L1 and you started coaching at a CrossFit gym at... I think I was a member for like four months until I got my L1 and then started mm-hmm. coaching a couple months after that. Right. And then you went on to have done several things. You've done your L2, mm-hmm. you're now an L3. Right. So what... What, what kept you going in that education path and what, what, what made you excited to continue learning about CrossFit and the methodology? Yeah, sure. It was always just um, driven by the people, just in terms of how could I help more people? How could I be better prepared to help those people? And if you can improve your breadth of, and depth of knowledge, then you can help that many more people or even, even more significantly. Yeah, it's super impressive. Yeah, agreed. That's why she's on the team. (laughs) (laughs) So you you came to Rhapsody, you became a coach at Rhapsody, and the rest is history. I remember remember that whole first first section because when we first started, it was me and Stan, and and you were 
teaching of some of the classes. And then there was sort of a sticking point that we had had a conversation about six months prior about being like, Hey, if you guys need any help. And then for me, I was like, yes, right. But at that point I was like, I don't really know because we hadn't hit that. I call it the like uncomfortable point when Mm. it's like, Ooh, I I don't know if I can do this much longer. Right. Um, and then when you came on, it was, it was, um, it was very much like a, a sigh of relief because one, like we've been talking about the breath of knowledge and just being able to know that bringing somebody into the, to the fold that just was able to, to take on the facility and take on the membership in such a profound way was, uh, was really relieving. Um, I think Elizabeth time. knew that we needed her before we knew that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was trying my hardest not to coach in classes that I attended. Like, don't overstep. Like, don't step on the toes. Like, totally, yeah. I know I could help people, but just, you know, yeah, hang back. Yeah, for sure, yeah. If someone asks you a question, you can answer it. Yeah. Um, but then I think you both went out of town to support one of our athletes or one of our coaches in mm-hmm. a competition. Yeah. Um, and it was just Stan coaching by himself. And uh, I was like... I know what it's like to coach all the classes all day <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. it would be nice if, if he had some help. So yeah. yeah. And you've seen us grow. I mean, you've been here for the whole journey. You've seen sort of the implementation of systems and processes, which we'll, we'll definitely get into. Yeah. So shortly after Elizabeth came on board, uh, college of Charleston was doing their, what Gina, you were, you were doing a tour, right? Of the school. Um, no, I had actually like accepted and I had moved here because Rhapsody wasn't there when I did, um, my original tour. Right. So I was pretty nervous because I hadn't found a CrossFit gym and my sister found you guys and we, my whole family dropped in for a class. I remember that class. (laughs) I was there. I was there. I I think I coached that class. class. Yeah. It yeah. was like sandbags it was, and it something. Was, uh, and the it was rowing, rowing and biking and yeah. sandbag cleans. Yeah. But you're from Boston. Yep. You have a fitness family. You have a sister that's really into CrossFit. Yes, very much so. She coaches. Mm-hmm. And she's actually building her own personal training business now, too. So Nice. Pretty cool. So you came into Rhapsody, and what'd you think? I remember at first I was like, I met Stan and Jean at the desk originally, and I hadn't met you yet. I was like, okay, like, I don't know. And then, honestly, when Trinity started teaching the class and definitely put on the show that Rhapsody does, I immediately remember being like, Mom, I'm joining. And I joined (laughs) right at the desk after, and I was like, and we'll be coming every day. That's awesome. And and so, Gina, did you have your L1 at that point? No. No. I actually remember the conversation with Alan. It was after my first uh, full year. And you were in your red Jeep and I was leaving and you were like, you know, you should go home and get your L1 and give me a call and we'll talk. This was over the summer. Yeah, it was over the summer. She was leaving for the first year. And I, and I, I, I specifically remember like being like, man, she has the potential like, Mm -hmm. and I just need to like give her a little shove and to be like, (laughs) if you do this, we will bring you on the coach's (laughs) mentorship program. And so she did during the summer. And you were the first person in the coach's mentorship program. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And you did that. You got your L2. Oh, yeah. That was... So we went through the whole pandemic, like Zoom, still in the mentor program. And then... um, That's what solidified you, though, as a coach. I think so. I mean, mean, just being thrown into the literal Zoom fire (laughs) and being like, Gina, you got to just... Turn it on, baby. Because that was a whole different experience. But I I tell people, I said, you know, logistics are challenging for a normal class. Mm Adding the the virtual element to it, logistics became everything. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the once we were shifting from Zoom back into the class, or and um, we did Zoom and class. It was the infamous noon, and I'd just be like, "I got this." I had the earphone in, the microphone, my people on the TV and in the room, and that definitely like threw me into the fire, but you know, in the best way. Yeah, and you've been coaching with us ever since. Oh yeah. You do a lot of what we call our points of performance, which is our membership relations. Um, you're, you're a big part of that as well. I know. I love. I actually really do enjoy like the prospect funnel aspect, and even reaching out, like you know, our past seven days and seeing where people are at, and mm-hmm. um, and that retargeting project that we've been doing. Uh, I got yep. so many responses from my videos and. That's it's just great. been super exciting. People are really grateful. Yeah, we've been changing a lot of our communication with the membership from texting and emailing to doing videos back and forth. And uh, I think that personal touch has been really, really productive. 
Well, it creates a story, right? Yeah. Like it connects and a connection and a connection in that in a in a very like real way. Yeah. Like I think that's why I love. It's weird because before uh, quarantine and before COVID, I wasn't really into FaceTiming or Zooming. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I would much prefer to see somebody on my phone versus talking to them on the phone because yeah. I get bored. I want to be like, I see your face, and it, even though the conversations might be shorter. I'm still having like engagement, which Completely. I really like. Completely. Yeah. Even if you don't want to. I still yeah, call you. Don't FaceTime me. not into the FaceTime. <laughs> Alan has never been good with text messaging, so this actual FaceTime thing has been yeah, way, way better. Horrible at it. Horrible. Yeah. Text is better than phone. If we're on the phone, I'm like my mom. And if mom, if you're listening, she's, she literally tries to get off the phone as fast as possible. She's like, well, it sounds like you're busy. And I'm like, mom, I'm not busy. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to let you go. Yeah. (laughs) So last summer, you know, the, the, the whole world experienced the pandemic differently. And actually towards September of last year, we here in South Carolina really started to reopen and it became clear that it was time for us to start to really fortify and grow the team um, into what we wanted to be in the long term. Mm-hmm. And we, because we, we had also gone through a major transition in the business itself. We mm-hmm. we had we had um, Stan left the business, yep. um, and and there was sort of a need that needed to be filled there because even though it was okay that you and I were together. Uh, we just needed some extra hands for yeah, sure. For sure. And um, yeah. And so, you know, we had our ads out there and we got actually a lot of responses for it because people were really looking for work because a lot of the gyms around the nation were closed. And we got this one resume. Alan had a. It was, my, it was the first one. It was the first mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Alan had a Zoom with you, I think. Yeah. And. And that's how Carrie Kirsch came came into. <laughs> and here I am. And here you are. Um, so how how did I mean? Obviously, you 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 found us mm-hmm. through through the listing, but but what made you want to leave Pittsburgh? And or he actually is not from Pittsburgh. He's from Altoona, and I've actually Evansburg, Evansburg, Evansburg which is yeah, close yeah. to Altoona, right? Close to Altoona. I've played Altoona. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have. It's not much there. There's not. No. Um, but what made you want to leave there and and head head to the coast and and the do coast. this whole coaching thing? Um, the weather, no, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I just wanted to get out of Pittsburgh I, and like Western Pennsylvania in general. Um, I knew that probably the winter of 2018. I was like, this is enough for me. It was really cold, and I was like, I'm getting out of here. Um, and so then I started looking, and then. I was actually looking towards like North Carolina because I have my uncles in Asheville and we're really close. So I was like, I'm going to go there. Um, started looking all over the place during spring break. I had went down and, um, checked out a few spots. Two days later, the world shuts down. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was back home. Didn't even go back to Pittsburgh, went back to Evansburg, um, was just sitting around and a guy that I had met in North Carolina had actually pointed me towards you guys. Cause he knows, the hand plan people. Yeah. And he was like, Hey, check these guys out. Yeah. And so I reached out, um, didn't hear anything for a while. And then Alan reached out like a month later and then didn't hear. Yeah. I was like, yeah, exactly. It was like, you guys reached out and then everything happened. And then you reached out again. You were like, Hey, everything just happened down here. Yeah. And we're kind of back up and running. Um, do you want to come check it out? And so then that was late July. Well, we had the first, we had our first like, conversation. And mm-hmm. at first, you know, when we, when I was first looking for somebody, um, you know, in my head, I had this I- idea of what I thought I needed, right. Mm-hmm. When, you know, I want a, an experienced person that has all this wealth of knowledge that has like years and years and years of background when it comes to coaching and, and leadership and all of that and management and all of that. Um, and we had, but, we got a lot of those resumes. And we did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there were some really great people that, that reached out. Um, but over time, I've just felt like it, it all depends on feel, right? It depends on connection with the person. It, it depends on how it actually like, like, uh, actually 
handles in situations and can have a conversation with them. Like, can I have like an actual conversation with that person to, to figure stuff out and to, if, because ultimately I'm going to be spending a lot of time with this person. Yeah. So at first when Carrie reached out, I, I was, I was a little hesitant just because I was like, "Mm, he might be like a coach's mentorship program sort of person. Um, and I needed to know, I needed to know more information about you. Mm -hmm. And then that's why you and I had the conversation Trinity about him coming down. And then when you did that sort of sealed the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, it was funny. I mean, I think in school they tell you to kind of tell people and people who are going to hire you, like whatever they want to hear. Um, and I'm just not about that. And I think everyone knows that. And when I, (laughs) and when I talked to you guys, I was just like, you know, everything that's going on, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Like everything that's going on in the world, I'm just going to be real. And if people want to give me their time, absolutely. Day, and what I really respected about you, and what I what I had brought up to Alan was like, you know, Carrie. At that time, you you have have a ton of coaching experience. You had more of like gym, a, a traditional gym experience, and not CrossFit experience. And I said, but look, you know, our ads because we really only hire sort of level two and above for a lot of reasons. We'll go into that you didn't have those types of certifications or qualifications, but what we've learned over the years is to hire by character. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's really what drove that. And I thought it was great of you just to be so transparent of like, look, this is where I'm at. This is where I, what, what I want to do. And this is how I want to grow. And I just want to be in a good environment to achieve that. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, driving down, I mean, it's an (laughs) 11 hour drive and there's about six hours in the kid I was driving with was sleeping and I was by myself and I was like, you know, I could drive the whole way down here and they could just tell me to turn around and leave, mm-hmm. which is kind of hilarious. Um, so then at that point, I was just like, well, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I walked in and Trinity and Alan and Aaron were there and right away, we all kind of like clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I knew there was something. And then just seeing how the business ran, I knew I wanted that part of it as well. Yeah. It wasn't just about the coaching and about like getting to know people and moving to someplace cool and whatever and the weather and the food and all that. Um, but it was more the business and this place was already spotless and it was ran. I could just tell walking in how like well it was ran. So I think that was it. You know what the sealed deal was for me was I, I literally threw you into a 25 person class mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you took it over in a really profound way. And even though I was like, well, there's some like coaching things that we need to work on. I was able to coach you through like certain movements and certain progressions and you picked up almost immediately. But then you also, I just saw interactions with people that you didn't know that like you were connecting with people in a really profound way. And that was, that's what sold me. Cause I was like, well, that's what the, that's what the job is, mm-hmm. right? It's not a, the coaching is the, the after effect, right? Yeah. yeah. We can teach anyone to coach pull-ups and burpees and and Olympic lifts. Mm-hmm. We, we can get a coach there, yeah. but what you can't do is, is really instill presence and attitude in someone. You can help them with tips along the way, but they have to have that natural ability to hold an audience because it's a performance. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. You know, it's, it is theater. It's immersive theater in a way. And, and you have to have that presence and able to, to, to control a, a crowd in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, just like business wise, um, I knew this was going to make me the best coach as well. And that's what I was yeah. looking for overall. You got your L1, you got your L2 and coach countless classes since. Yeah. It's just the, it's the whole team though. Cause everybody keeps each other accountable, which I think yeah. that's like, that's my, that's my biggest thing. And that, that ultimately was what I was trying to get to was because if we can surround each other with like great coaches all around, like everyone's going to rise to the occasion. Right. You know, which is cool. So, what today's thank you all for giving us a little a little history so there's some context here but what today is really about is about the Rhapsody class procedures and how we conduct a class and it's it's one of the main reasons that we have all at least level two coaches because right the level one teaches you the foundations it teaches you the basic crossfit movements and basic progressions but what i really love about the level two that i think is the most helpful part yes you get actual coaching time on your feet but it's really about class planning and it's just like any any teacher, any coach, if you're coaching or if you're 
the teacher for elementary school up to a coach in a CrossFit gym. How you class plan really dictates your success. What is it you say about what is it you say about preparation? Yeah, um, prior planning prevents piss poor performance. That's it. it. Thank you. Yes, that's it. I was like, it's the six P's. What are the six P's? So I learned it in military school. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, they like drilled it in me. They're like prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Yes, Culver Military Academy. If you can imagine that. Um, so that's really where our whole journey starts. Basically how it works is we have programming for every week at the gym, but each week a coach is assigned to a week in a rotating fashion. So Elizabeth will have one week, Gina will have the next week, Carrie will have the next, and it continues to rotate across the year. And within that week, that assigned coach for that week creates the class plan for all the classes that week. And the coaches use that class plan as a template. We actually do it. That's a, there's a twofold. There's two reasons why I do that. One, I think it's really important that a coach fully understands and knows how to class plan Mm -hmm. and they, and they are constantly flexing that muscle. Also, Every coach has a different way of class planning. A certain one coach will bring a certain way of a warm up or a certain progression that then all the other coaches can learn about that as well. Um, and I think because if one person is always class planning, like we're not growing as coaches. Absolutely. And, you know, so it's there's always that continuing education aspect to it as well. Well, and just like at this table right now, you have Elizabeth and Alan have years of coaching experience. Gina and Carrie are newish, but still ha- still have a lot of hours underneath you. So you learn from each other, yeah. and and Elizabeth brings out a lot of perspective and, and, and so. So do you, Alan, to it as well. So that's where it begins. So when we get a week's programming, say it's Gina's week, Gina goes in Monday through Sunday and creates a class plan for that day. So let's talk about what that class plan looks like. Yeah. So actually we, we follow hand plan programming, which is Austin Maliolo, Spencer Hindle, and James Hobart. And with, they actually, they actually do a generalized class plan that they send to all of their affiliates. Um, I like it. But I also know that we can elevate that experience. And so what we do is we... And customize it for the space. And customize it for the space, which I think every gym needs to do that. Um, It's not a cut and paste. Um, We need... And we need to make it authentic for ourselves too. And so... Gina will go in, she'll cut and paste what we, like our, our class plan for Rhapsody class plan, like the general, the specific, the workout or the, the logistics, the cool down, all of that. And then she'll go in and she'll start to plug in, pulling from that other class plan, what works and what, what we can adjust to. Absolutely. So it first starts in a class, 15 minutes before a class starts, we have that pre-class and member connection. So talk to me about that. It's 15 minutes that the coach is on the floor with members. And why is that important? Yeah, it's cool. And just um, in the sense of being able to interact with members, not in a class setting. So getting to know them outside of their fitness and their suffering in that hour, but learning what they do for work or what they did this past weekend or what they have coming up and helping you kind of strengthen that connection and relationship with them to help them in class. Absolutely. And also for drop-ins. I mean, people that you don't know, what, what are the types of questions that you guys ask to someone that's coming in the gym for the first time for their first class? One of my first ones is, um, do you have any injuries? Mm. What injuries do I need to know about? We've had yeah. someone that, um, just passed by without that question. And then in class said, Oh, well, three years ago I broke my neck. Right. I always think it's, a, <laughs> I, you know, you're like, Oh, that would have been great information that to have. That would have been helpful yeah. to know when you walked in. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, when I was traveling before Rhapsody, Alan and I visited over a hundred affiliates and I always got a red flag when I was new to a gym and a coach never asked me either, what's your experience and have you had any injuries? I think it's a, such an important question to ask in, in the customization process for the class. Mm-hmm. I always talk about the, that pre-member connection at the beginning of class is I think what sets us apart yeah. as, as Rhapsody because we truly do like dive in deep with every single person that comes into the, into the gym, whether they're there for the very first time and only there for one workout or they've been a member for three years. Like we are, we're literally playing 20 questions with every person that comes into the, into the gym because it's really important as coaches that that's how you customize and individualize a person's experience within a class setting. Absolutely. And also just very basic, you learn names. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we, we really try to use a person's name at least three times throughout a class. But it's also a great time if you don't know someone to learn about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, we have that member connection time. 
And then this is going to go a little against what the CrossFit L2 says, because the L2 in their class planning section will tell you we're going to come right to the whiteboard. We actually don't take that approach (laughs) because we find there's so much energy everywhere at the beginning of class that we need to focus that energy. And what better way to focus that energy than a general warm up? to get people just moving. That's what people have come to do. Let's just get moving. There's not a lot of instruction during this period. It's just, here's what we're doing. Go. You want to talk to me about the general warm up? Gina, do it. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So with the general warm up, like what I like to do, if I wasn't able to make like a connection with everyone, say someone had come in a little bit later, it lets you like gauge also how they're doing. So you can see maybe crack a couple jokes or see how they're feeling, how their body's moving. And just one, getting that energy out, but two, seeing where they're at. So then I know, okay, this is what like this member's going to need going into the workout. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get them a little bit warm and sweaty and have fun with each other before we're getting down to like the nitty gritty of what the workout was going to be about. Yeah. Completely. It's also a great time to introduce people. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll hear Carrie say, Hey, we're going to run the 200 meters, run with someone. When you get back, let me know one detail about the other person. Yeah. You do that stuff all the time. Yeah, I do. Um, that along with just like the pre-class, it's like you become more than just a coach and then you're also their friend. And mm-hmm. then it's much easier to not only teach a class as a whole, but connect with them one-on-one and give them specific instructions. Um, and it's not like, yeah, that's it really. Um, yeah. yeah the, I also, I also look at it like this when I would go to CrossFit gems and they would go to the whiteboard mm-hmm. and I was new and they would be talking about these random movements on yeah. the whiteboard. I'd be like, I have no idea what a hang power clean is because I just started. Like, I want to even the playing field from the very beginning. Y'all, give me 20 jumping jacks. Great. Oh, shit, I know what a jumping jack is. Great. Give me 20 squats. Beautiful. Run down to the stop sign and back. So all of a sudden, they're starting to work their way through the movements. And then all of a sudden, we start, I call it giving them peas and carrots within their macaroni and cheese. Like, we start to layer things on to where then when we get to the whiteboard, they're like, yeah, I know what a hang power clean is. We just... We just went through the entire, the whole entire process and like they're ready to go versus being like already putting like preconceived notions on what it is prior to the workout. Yeah. Especially if there's like, if there's a new person and if you, if you go to the whiteboard first, there's like that general anxiety of like, what am I going to do in the workout and like, Mm -hmm. how am I going to attack it? But also like, do I know what any of it means? Like you just said, like with a new member, someone from out of town, like if you go through the whole thing and you do the whole warm up and then you get to the whiteboard, then there's a lot less questions. Yeah, absolutely. And as you, as a coach, it helps you identify where you're going to have to really triage some stuff. So our general warm up lasts about what, five to 10 minutes. That that's sort of that first block. And we just, the music's rocking. It's a lot of fun. We're not over coaching. We're just getting everybody moving. Again, we're not at the whiteboard yet. We move straight into skill work and the specific workout prep, which takes about five to 20 minutes. So talk to me about this second section. This is when we get to like flex, flex that uh, coaching muscle, mm-hmm. right? We get to go into the progressions of, of the actual movements that we're going to be doing today. I like this. I like, I really love this section because one, we, as ner- coaches, we get to nerd out and, and, but also like really have fun with the way that we coach. Um, I also think that it, it starts to, um, like we're, we're mechanic specialists, right? Like I want mechanics to be consistent at all times. Like I don't care how much weight you have on the bar. I don't care what, like how strong you are, how fast you can run. Like I'm looking purely at mechanics. And if I can get you to move really well, um, you're going to get fitter over time. Um, and so from there, we really start to dive in deep. And then, and then as a coach, you can start to gauge certain people's strength levels. And if we need to pair people up, that's when that stuff can start to happen. So again, there's no pressure on anybody to, to be in a spot that they don't feel comfortable, right? Because you as a coach are already starting to gauge like, okay, that person, if we need to pair people up, that per- those people will be perfect together. Or well, these people will be perfect together. Right. You know? It's also a great time to assess scaling. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth, talk to me a little bit about what you look for in a class when it's time to scale for someone. Sure. Yeah. I'm just looking at just um, overall movement patterns, like, like Alan said earlier. But then also in that pre-class connection and even through the general warm-up, having conversations with people. Mm-hmm. 
about their movement patterns. And since we have that connection with them, we know if there's an injury or if they or if they have a big race coming up and they don't want to lift heavy today or whatever it might be. Sure. Um, sure. We can have those conversations. It's, it's an opportunity in the uh, in the specific to kind of slow down and work on those details, but then also keep your eye out for anything that might come up. And we have those conversations typically after the whiteboard. It's interesting because I have, I've, I've mentioned that to members before and they're like, their minds are blown because they just think like the coach is having a great time. Like, no, 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 We are, we are like, we are search, search and destroy at all times between the general, the sp- specific and the whiteboard. Like, cause in my head, I'm like, how, how am I going to make somebody, how am I going to make every person in this room successful by finding the correct progression for them to be successful in the workout? Cause if at the end of the workout, somebody fails, that's not their fault. That's my fault. Yeah. And, and this yeah. is really to me, it's the most important part of the entire class plan. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think this is truly where the magic happens in a class. Totally. And, and like you say, you guys get to showcase your experience because mm-hmm. how many gyms, CrossFit gyms have we been to, mm-hmm. to where this section doesn't exist? Yeah. Yeah. I still remember the first time I was taught how to do a wall ball and I was like, I've been doing these for like three years and I've never <laughs> been told how to do one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was... Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and it's even, you know, and I know a lot of gyms, as do we, we have some really sort of elite level athletes in our mm-hmm. gym. But I always tell this story. We were up at CrossFit New England um, doing the affiliate immersion with Ben Bergeron, and it came workout time, and and Katrin David's daughter came in to, to warm up for her workout of the day. And her workout had kettlebell swings in it, had a few other items in it. Ben and Katrin got a kettlebell, and it was like he was teaching her a kettlebell swing for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was literally like feet hip width apart, deadlift position, deadlift kettlebell, and, and literally went through points of performance of the kettlebell swing. And so it's like, I don't care how elite an athlete is, going back to these basics and in this skill section and then this workout prep is extremely important for everyone. This also sets... Uh, people apart, right? When we have people that come into the gym for the first time, even drop-ins, and this section starts to happen, you can see the people that have never been coached before. Mm. And they will either be really excited about it, and they're like, holy shit, like I've not gotten these cues ever before. Or like people have turned off from, from me because I've been doing CrossFit for five years and I haven't been coached since the first year that I've been in it. Or you'll get complete pushback and that person, if it's a drop-in, it's like, okay, well, they're going to be gone. And if it's the person that had just joined the gym, they're only there for a month. Yeah. Because it, or they buy into the humility of wanting to get better yeah. and, and taking on that feedback. I think majority we see the latter. We see the yeah. people that yeah. are a, a bit defensive at first sort of get it in a month. They're like, oh, wow, all mm-hmm. of a sudden my lifts look better, my weights are going up, and they see the value in that. Yeah. And then those people that are just combative, they're just not for your gym. And you as owners have to just be okay. As a coach, you have to just be okay with like, you know, they're not for us, and they're likely going to, um, to yeah. self-remove themselves. You just, can't, you just can't let up on them. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you might break <laughs> through. Sometimes yeah. there, there are those instances where you're like, this person doesn't have – doesn't care at all. They don't care what I say in this, mm-hmm. in these 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. they're not going to listen to me. And yeah. then they might give you one piece of information that you can use mm-hmm. to then break through. And then all of a sudden they're receptive to everything you say. Yeah. 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 Well, I think sometimes they realize that it's not personal and that we're yeah. coaching everyone. And yeah. it's not just them that we're just like picking out of the crowd. It's like, you're not failing. Yeah, exactly. we're, like, yeah, exactly. like every, exactly. that's yeah. our, that's my job. <laughs> because it's vulnerable, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. In, a, in a class setting, mm-hmm. if you're not used to that kind of coaching, it can be a vulnerable setting. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and you have to, to make people feel supported and safe, the safe environment to be able to fail in. Because we're only going to get better I if mean, we're allowed that's why to it's, fail. Well, like one of our core values as coaches is people smarts. Like yeah. it's incredibly important to know how to change the way that you give feedback to somebody. Because yep. if you give somebody feedback that's abrasive, that might work for some person with somebody, but it might not work for that other person. That's when you immediately turn them off. A hundred percent. So we've had the general warm up five to 10 minutes. We've had the skill work and specific workout prep, which takes us to about 20 minutes in class. And now we arrive at the whiteboard. Talk to me about that. Gina. 
This is definitely one of my um, favorite sections, I think. Uh, I just think it's super fun. Maybe you just went through super sweaty specific, and I always make my jokes, oh, guys, like you're making me sweat, and then <laughs> it kind of breaks ice, and then you can talk about it. And I think this is another time for us to really, I guess, show off our skills and kind of give them that pointers, mm-hmm. those pointers, because I remember being a member, I really enjoyed the whiteboard, and then those connections I would make with the coach after, just it's even more an individual experience to be like, okay, I was thinking between RX and level two, because we go along and we say, all right, like this is how it's written. And then we can scale like this or mm-hmm. this, but you're never married to these movements. Like you can pick and choose yep. and then we can give them goals. Should be this time or this many rounds. So explain a little bit about our programming and how it's written in the different levels. Okay. Um, so first we go through typically the RX and how the workout is originally written. And then we have a level two, which is a scale down and then a level one. And so we go through this and say, what would be best for you if you're at this point? Yep. Like if this weight is moderately heavy for you, that's where you should be at. And then we typically go through and say the goal. So it could be a time frame or maybe a round um, based on if it's an AMRAP or if it's a four time workout mm-hmm. and then give them little like tidbits of um, I want you to be able to do at least five power cleans at a time before you set the bar down. Right. And then and so forth. So it's not only just about the workout. It's about the stimulus. Like right. what is our goal here? Because we always have, we have pretty strict time caps on our workouts. Mm -hmm. And yes, I could do the workout as prescribed RX, but I'm not going to beat that time cap. So I'm not doing the workout RX if I'm not within (laughs) that window. So today, maybe I need to scale to not only accomplish the workout, I need to accomplish the stimulus of the workout. That's why, that's why I love CrossFit so much. And that's why I think CrossFit stands apart from all other fitness programs. Because when you look at CrossFit, it, it is about intentional, uh, training. Yes. It gives, and especially at Rhapsody, like we give goals all the time yep. and specific goals to people. Um, and I think it's really important because then that changes people's mindsets on, oh, it's not just working out and getting sweaty. And no, they're coming in and they're actually being intentional and mindful about what they're doing in that day's workout. Because it is training. And it, even if it's not a sport, it's the, it's the, it's the life, it's the fitness life. You right? actually just re- did a really great article recently about mm-hmm. training versus competing mm-hmm. and about how 90% of the time we should be training. Yeah. If you find yourself going to the CrossFit gym every day and you're just competing with the person next to you, you are missing out on the bread and butter of what CrossFit is all about. And, and in reality, the 10% that is competing, that has nothing to do about anybody else. Mm-hmm. The competition is within yourself, right? Yep. That ultimately, because it, it look, for example, and that's why I love, it, we call it measurable, observable, and repeatable data. That is every CrossFit workout that you ever do, yep. because you could technically take that workout six months from now. And if you will have done six days a week of working on those weaknesses, all of a sudden you repeat that workout and you're a hell of a ton, a hell of tons better fit, fitter across the board. Well, that's pure data that says I'm fitter. It's not just my body fat or it's just not, not just the weight or my weight waist size. It's like, no, I actually got fitter over time. And that's really important. It absolutely is. So the, the, the whiteboard, we want to keep concise, right? We don't want this to become a, a, a you know, Hamlet's speech, you know, to be or not to be. We want it to be. <laughs> it is. Although true. you always do that to me, he'll just start like quoting Shakespeare for no reason. When I was side story, <laughs> when I was young, I started memorizing the complete works of William Shakespeare, so I know a lot by memory. Yes. But anyways, that's a side story. Um, <laughs> we want to we keep the whiteboard concise. Two to five minutes, we go through the workout, we go through the progressions, we go through the stimulus, and then we have our announcement section. This is the community moments. Hey, we have Murph coming up on Monday. Make sure you sign up. We have a nutrition seminar and all that stuff. That moment is really important because also it it keeps people in the loop of what's happening in the gym. Mm -hmm. So whiteboard, quick, concise, pee break, water break, two minutes, We're going to hit the workout and then we're going to get to Elizabeth Hall's favorite part of the workout that she calls the hype. So let's talk about the workout (laughs) of the day 
and how we kick this off and get that hype going in class. Yeah, it's actually we um, in that two to five minutes before we start is um, something we don't necessarily put in our programming, but it's I think one of the most important parts of class. Mm-hmm. In that two to five minutes before we start the workout, where people are going to get grips or go to the bathroom or get water try and check in with every athlete and make sure they know their plan for the workout. Mm-hmm. It's your kind of last moment to connect with them before they go into the pain cave if they're pushing there or, mm-hmm. if, or whatever mm-hmm. it is until they get into that moment where they might not be as receptive to your your uh, your cues. <laughs> um, but that They're happens. just blacked out and you're yeah. just like, they yeah. look like a zombie. Yeah. 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 Um, but though, no, then we, uh, we get ready to start the workout. And um, for me, I always joke, Alan and I have completely different coaching styles. Um, he's... <laughs> an entertainer through and through. Um, but I, um, joke a lot more and I have just different ways of increasing the energy. (laughs) And I do that a lot through music. So I'll, um, try to get everyone ready. Sometimes I'll intentionally play a like terrible song in order for them to recognize the music and how Mm -hmm. bad it is before playing a great song. Yeah. I play like Celine Dion, like my heart will go on for like one minute and they're like, what's this? I'm like, don't worry. I got you covered. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get it next. That's it, Gina. You should use that. <laughs> I, I say I always feel prepared by Elizabeth's jams every time I take her class. I'm like, I know she's gonna take me through. This is gonna be good. And she tries to give me advice. I'm still learning. The music is tough. If you're in my class, just, it's just, usually Big Booty 19. Yeah, get so. off those Big Booty remixes. Yeah. You loved it this morning. So if if you, if you really enjoy uh, good class mixes, Elizabeth works on raps. Spotify playlist. Yeah. You can go to Spotify and look up Rhapsody Fitness, and we have several playlists yeah, that are really awesome. great for classes that you can work on. And she's actually going to come out with a couple of new ones we've been talking about. So, um, Elizabeth is, is quite the DJ. So, we get that hype going, we get that energy up, we take off into the workout. So, what is your function as coaches? during the workout of the day. I think that's when your work starts, really. You've been preparing them for this battle of a workout, and then they get into it, and you have to start kind of dictating how things start to go, if things start to fall apart, or if they're moving a different way than you want them to move, or they're not on the right timeline. That's when your work starts, like... That's when I'm the most active in the room. Yeah, I, I call it relentless coaching. Mm-hmm. Right, that's when that that's when you kick into overdrive. And I think what I think why the general and the specific are so important as well, especially that specific, is that when you are doing your coaching in the specific warm up, that when you get into the workout and they've blacked out and they look like a zombie and they're looking down at the ground and like hoping that they survive this, that you can give the, give them that specific cue that you gave them in the specific warm-up and they automatically draw the connection so it's like a quick fix. You know, it's it's a lot about triaging in the moment, right? You're get, you'll see something when when all of a sudden the heart rate gets to 165 beats per minute, stuff likes likes to go out the window. Yeah. And as a coach, you have to be I I'm always saying like in my head, I'm going to hit Everybody in the in in the class like at least three or four times with specific cueing and their name, always their name, but specific cueing on how to make their uh, movements better from the person that just got off the sofa to the person that's going to the CrossFit Games. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about new coaches. The safe sort of spot that they go to is becoming a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. During this, and 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 nothing is specific in the queuing, and it's really about let's go, come on. So tell me how we avoid being a cheerleader. You got me, Carrie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, I never even thought about that. Um, how to avoid being a cheerleader? Um, well, just in the class, I feel like that's when you find your best queuing. Um, because during the specific and the general, it's kind of slower and you can go point by point, but really in the mix of the workout is where like, oh, I have three seconds to give someone a cue and let's go probably isn't going to work. So if I say like, (laughs) Hey, do this and they don't do it. And then I show them something or I like 
touch a part of their body and be like, pull your shoulders back. That sounded weird. Pull your shoulders back. <laughs> like, grab your shoulders. Um, Slap their ass. <laughs> <laughs> whatever gets them moving. No. Um, so we have so many members at Rhapsody. <laughs> um, but like that within the workout, that is where you find your cues and it's just important not to fall back on the, hey, let's go or get moving or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. to remember that this cue works for this person or this cue works for that person. Um, Abs- absolutely. Anyone else have anything on that? Yeah, Gina. Um, I feel like especially after the level two, I had a lot of conversations with Alan where, because sometimes someone's doing something really well and you want to tell them, but you don't want to be say, great job, Alan. Great what? So mm-hmm. I feel like I've always been trying now to say, um, great job, fully extending at the top. Mm-hmm. And then also sometimes I can be a little wordy and I know that. So keeping it like Three to five words or less. <laughs> Elizabeth and Alan always remind me of that. But just like putting... If it makes you feel any better, almost every new coach is like that. They okay. give a dissertation. <laughs> I call it giving in the dissertation. Yeah. I'm like, no, three to like five words. giving the speech. Yeah. Um, but just making sure there's um, incentive and meaning behind what I'm saying. And like Carrie said, I'm not just giving the let's go and walking away. Making mm-hmm. sure their name is included as well as um, a cue or a specific of what they're doing well. You know, I, I, I will say too that there is a, um, and this is hard for every person, but we all have filler words. Yes. That we say, (laughs) especially when stuff starts to get vague. Yeah. And just general, you start to say specific things over and over and over again. And just as a, as a, um, as a exercise for yourself is just to record you in the actual workout phase of a class. Sure. And it will show you your specific word that you use. And when you get vague. Absolutely. And I think a lot, it's painful. It's a Chuck Carswell tip. He gave it to me after my level two. He was like, if you want to get better and no one's, no one's there to help you get better, record whatever section you want and then watch it back. And I I think another great way to combat filler words is to be prepared. Because a lot of times when you're not prepared and you really haven't put in the time on that class plan, you're going to start using filler words. Yeah. I mean, we spend, we spend a lot, like for every hour class, I mean, we spend a lot of time prepping for it. And this is just class procedures. You know, we're, we have a whole logistics part that we're having a conversation about too before here about so, the, so that the class flows smooth throughout. And that's, and you don't get away with that. Yeah. Whether you're a, a coach that's starting out or you've been coaching for 10 years, it's like when you do not plan, you invite mishap across the board. Yeah, and you, even you just you just don't in, you're not you're not being excellent. Yeah. In absolutely. what you're doing. You know, yeah. sure, we could all see grace come up on as coaches. You've been coaching long enough. You could see grace come up in the programming and walk into class and be like, I'm gonna coach Grace today, I'm just gonna go for it. But are you really being an elite coach at that point without having that preparation period? Or or evolving your coaching in that moment. Completely. Because if you've coached it before, well, you're just going to coach it again the same way. Absolutely. I think yeah. if, you, if you want your athletes to get better every day, then you have to strive as a coach to get better every day. Amen. Absolutely. Preach! So we have work out of the day, work out of the days. <laughs> cracking along. We get about to, about, about to 50 minutes in class. Mm-hmm. People start to finish. Yeah. But other people are working out. What's a big thing that we we insist upon? Do not clean up your shit. If yeah. you, this is like biggest pet peeve. If you clean up before other people are finished, I will not. I will very <laughs> sternly say, "Don't clean up. We're waiting till everybody gets done." Absolutely. Yeah. And those people cheer those other people on to get them across the finish yeah. line because it is a team effort. And you and you as a coach in uh, insist on that. Yeah. You were the person that's in that person, the last two or three people that have really struggled through the workout. You're like, you are the person that can help facilitate that in the, in the class. So we get to the end of the workout. We have about five minutes left in class and we start the post-workout. Everybody's laying on the floor. Everybody's sweating. They just had an incredible workout. Mm-hmm. What then? It's another time for member connection just in terms Absolutely. of, and it's pretty easy to dictate the conversation. They're, they don't have a lot to say in that moment. Typically they're... Uh, <laughs> They're a little fatigued by the time you get there, um, but you can Usually kind of, cussing. Yeah, you can kind a, of lead that, that discussion, whether it's a discussion about the workout or what they intend to do with the rest of their day or whatever it might be. You know, and we actually, this is also a time in this post-workout 
we recently made a change at Rhapsody based on a member survey we did, which I thought was really, really good feedback, mm-hmm. is that we used to, at the beginning of class, everybody's name would be on the whiteboard. And then at this post-workout, as people are laying on the floor and recovering, we're saying, we go through everybody's scores. Mm-hmm. We start writing all the scores on the whiteboard. And we got some great feedback that was like, you know, my score to me really doesn't matter, or I just like it to be like my own thing. Yeah. And we have SugarWad where you can go and log and track your scores, and we do encourage people to do that. But what's great and, about and it creates a le- it, it creates a leaderboard on SugarWad too if you if you opt to if, for it to be public if you want that. But that's what I love about SugarWad is you have that option. You can have a public profile or you can have a private profile. So your scores and all that, that you, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. So we just don't really focus on that part. Yes, we we congratulate people that really crushed it, and we encourage people that are that had a big achievement in that workout at the end. But we don't. We used to make it about the numbers, but the numbers really don't matter to us anymore. It's interesting too because I think as a as a coaching team, we've also started to steer more towards like, wow, Caitlin, I can't believe that you did that weight this the, this class. Like you crushed it in those power cleans. Man, you're getting super strong. Or or wow, you did the thirty inch box jump like or like for Alice for example, like being able to do the box jumps consistently like. Those are the things that as coaches, I'm more concerned about. Their data is their data. Mm -hmm. What I'm concerned about is, man, as a coach, I'm a happy camper because you are moving really, really well. Right. Yeah. So as all that's happening, we do a little bit of a cool down. We do some stretching. Mm -hmm. We can maybe do some reminders at this part about things coming up. And then talk to me as people start to come back to the rooms being cleaned up. I love what Elizabeth said about member connection. I do think this is a great time to reconnect with members. How did that feel? What do you think about this? It's also if you have drop-ins in the room, it's really important to check in with them. It was great having you in class. And 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 Gina talks to me about thank you notes. So what do you do after class? What do you do at the front desk? Um, so when we do have a drop-in, the coach that led the class will write them a thank you note and their name at the top. And then we have a little, you know, our little Rhapsody thing, but then that coach gets to add like a moment they had with the drop in. Like, yeah, it was my first time coaching you, but you crushed that workout the way that you kept your pace on those burpees, et cetera, something like that. And then they really feel like that individual experience at Rhapsody. And we say, we hope that you felt what we're, uh, how does it go? What we're all about? Yeah, yeah. the Rhapsody experience. You got like a taste of what we're all about, something like that. And um, I truly hope that they do because I had to drop in Wednesday morning. He came to a 5 a.m. and he totally clicked with the 5 a.m. crew. Like it's like he'd been coming um, for weeks and it was just super awesome to have that moment. Absolutely. And I also think, you know, like if Caitlin has an incredible clean that she does in Mm -hmm. class, you sometimes will write members a thank you note to congratulate them on a specific thing that happened in that class. There's just something about going to your mailbox, getting a handwritten thank you note that has been mailed with a stamp on it and opening up and having that in your home. I think it's super special. And it will also tell people what we do with drop-ins is we will say, hey, if you had a great time at Rhapsody, please go on Google and give us that five-star review. So my marketing brain is, you know, you see so many businesses that spend thousands and thousands of dollars on their website. And friends, I've got news for you. That's not where your money should be spent anymore. Mm -mm. Yes, you need to have a website. It can be as basic as you need it to be. You get the right keywords in there. You write about your business. What's important in today's marketing world is reviews. Google reviews are everything. Google is controlling the internet. And to get people into your business, they are likely not going to your website. Mm-hmm. They're going to your Google My Business page. And that's how they connect to you. They can they can literally, with us text us from our Google page and we're responding completely through Google. Most people that find our gym never touch our website. Mm -hmm. So getting those reviews, that is a great moment and pretty much every drop in. It's one we have over what, 250 five star reviews. I mean, and also you, you have to look at it like this. If you stand behind what your business is, and the authenticity that you're bringing and the product that you're selling, that you should not be afraid to ask for a five-star Google review. Absolutely. That in the beginning, I felt a little awkward being, but after a while, I was like, oh, hell no. Like, we're giving a five-star experience, experience, and I'm going to ask for that review because 
that is the way that the business is actually going to grow. It's not how fancy my website is. It's people saying, wow, I had an amazing time as a, in Elizabeth's class. She gave me some of the best cueing that I've ever gotten in my entire time of doing CrossFit. I've been doing it for seven years. I'm like, that is one, amazing for you to hear because you're just like, that's, that's confirmation of being like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. But then also it's great for our business to be able to, to showcase like people are actually having a great time here. Absolutely. And, uh, and what I read a lot in our reviews is yes, the gym is clean and the gym is nice and we take great pride in that. But coaches are called out specifically by name. All the time. It's cool. So that tells me that that coach in class is using that person's name. So they've made an impression. So that person remembers that coach's name. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I've dropped into a lot of gyms and had a lot of coaches. I don't know many names, mm-hmm. but the names that I do know of those coaches were very special experiences. Yeah. So when someone can recall that name in a review, I think that is hitting the mark. Amen. Hey, I get so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So look, that's our class procedures, you know, and also what we do is we have a consistent feedback loop. I can touch on this right here at the end. You know, if Elizabeth is coaching the five, six, seven a.m. class, she will go into our Slack, our coaching Slack channel and write, hey, this is what I experienced in the class plan. The class plan does improve throughout the day because we have experience with it and it gets better. Coaches come in. I know Elizabeth comes in, uh, what, twice a week now, and you're doing coaching evaluations for other coaches. Alan does coaching evaluations each week. So that constant feedback loop so that your team can give each other feedback. I know that if you guys take each other's class, you give each other feedback, logistics get better across the day. So I I encourage everyone to keep that feedback loop alive and well. Yeah. I want to do this, and and I've been starting to do this with every person that I meet. I want to hear one like nugget of knowledge that you guys have learned being a coach at Rhapsody. Yeah. Like what, what's that one nugget? Elizabeth, we'll go with you. Oh, great. Cause I don't have an answer yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. I think my, my, the nugget of knowledge that I've learned over the years of not only being at CrossFit NYC, but then it, it was solidified uh, being at Rhapsody is that it is truly about being empathetic with every person that's inside of your gym Mm -hmm. that it is. Yes, it's a gym and it's about fitness and that, but in reality, it's not, it's about complete human connection and connecting them with, with them in a very deep way that will transform and change their lives for the better for the rest of their life. Agreed. You know, it's not just that squat. It's not yeah. just that pull up. I always say fitness is secondary. Yeah. It is about the human connection. Yeah. You got one, Elizabeth? Um, sure, sure. I got <laughs> one. Uh, I think that within Rhapsody, I think something we do really well is kind of laying a foundation of basics, whether it's from our, our points of performance or from our class planning or layout or even our cleaning of the gym where we have kind of standards to go by so that we don't have to put thought and energy into those basics. We can operate on a higher level knowing that that's taken care of and worry about the finer details, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have an episode coming out uh, about uh, systems and processes, and that's all what that's about. And that is that is a huge key to us being able to talk about all this other stuff. Is those basic tenets of the day to day on the same ways are on the same page. Yeah, right. That makes it so much easier, and and we're we're improving that page as we go. Absolutely, which is great. Constant evaluation. I think having a, a team that's all on the same page, working towards the same goals, is only huge. makes it better. Yeah. Huge, and we and you know we we continue to learn and get better at that. Gina. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I think the part that I love most and that I've learned is that when I walk in that door as a coach, it's not about me in that moment. And it's truly about the member. And I continue to like learn that. And that's what helps me be the best coach because it is about their best hour of the day and they're coming in for this experience. And a big thing about that is um, forming the emotional bank account with that. I've had countless conversations with Alan and the rest of the team members of how we have to continue to grow that. So in those hard moments of the workout or um, 
any moment for them, you can kind of pull from that because you've built this relationship with them and you've made it about them because they're coming for the experience. Absolutely. Laying that foundation with every member. Yeah. Mr. Kirsch. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it will lead us to our next one next week with the systems whatnot, but just like, what is it? How you do one thing is how, how you, you do everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I think I always kind of had that, but, um, coming here and being a part of this team just in general has really, um, honed that in with just the systems and the processes and the coaching and the member connection and everything. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So great to have you on the next episode with the team. We're going to be talking about the Rhapsody way, which is about how we get members into the gym and the member journey and the systems that we have in place to ensure long-term retention with your members and growth. Mm -hmm. So look, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you click down below to subscribe to the channel. Also, if you enjoy the show, give us that five-star review. And if you want to engage with us, visit us on Instagram at Rhapsody Radio Show or email us at info at RhapsodyRadio.com. We'll see you back here. Be safe. See you soon. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.